When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mr. Worf. Fire. You know, Bruce, over the past year, we have had three series air, which means we've had three season finales to watch in the year 2020. So that's pretty cool. And I thought it would be interesting to dedicate an episode to talking about the season finales throughout the Star Trek universe. So I'm Dan Gunther. With me is Bruce Gibson. You're listening to Positively Trek. And uh, welcome to our season finale discussion. But this isn't the season finale of our podcast that's a good thing we don't even have seasons on our podcast (laughs) no exactly but i feel like the title of this episode is going to be cheekily titled so that you think it's a season finale of the podcast i don't know i haven't come up with the title yet but i feel like that's going to happen whether i intend it to or not and so now the challenge for me is to come up with a cliffhanger for our podcast for this episode (laughs) (laughs) mr gibson Fire. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> Will he be back next season? <laughs> you know what though? The cool thing about this is that we have so many seasons of different Star Trek series that we have plenty to talk about. It's not like yeah. oh, we only have five seasons of this TV show, so we only have a few, you know, season finales to discuss. We've got a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing when I started compiling the list, just how many season finales there are. And I mean, obviously, we're not going to go into detail on each and every episode, but we're going to kind of touch on a lot of the major season finales and the different categories of season finales. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But uh, first, we do have a couple of news stories that we'd like to share before we get there. Nothing too huge. It was kind of a quiet week for news. We had, of course, Discovery recently wrap up its third season. And so it feels like the Star Trek news part of the universe is kind of winding down a little bit before we get an eventual ramp ramp up when we find out when all the new Star Trek will be coming eventually. Yes, and I'm hoping that we get something soon so that we can have another season finale to discuss here on the show. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Well, the first bit of news is talking about one of those upcoming shows. And again, we don't know when it's coming, but Patrick Stewart recently talked about Star Trek Picard Season 2 
and teases changes that will have quite an impact on the show. So, uh, yeah, and I'll link this trekmovie.com article summarizing this in the show notes. But it's basically Stuart kind of teasing some of the stuff from season two scripts, nothing specific, but just talking about being excited to get back to filming Picard when that happens. It was scheduled for February. Again, we don't know that might get pushed again with the whole COVID thing, but uh, we'll wait and see on that. But yeah, it's interesting. There are a lot of changes, of course, for Picard at the end of season one. For those of you who don't know, spoiler alert, Picard died and his consciousness was placed in a synthetic golem body. And now he lives in that form. And what will that mean for the future of that show going forward and his character? Uh, there's some interesting questions I think that raises. Yeah, and I hope they do at least tackle some of those and they just don't pretend like, oh, well, you know, he's just Picard again and just forget about what happened last season. It has no impact. I want to see him dealing with that change because if you all of a sudden died and came back in this other body, that would impact you in some manner. I mean, you've got to look at life and how your situation is a little differently than you used to. Yeah, you'd think so. And that is brought up a little bit in this interview. You know, there are a different bunch of different ways they could go with it. And, you know, one option is to just, like you say, just pretend everything's normal and go on with it or to examine how that has changed his life. And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see where they go with it. I am very encouraged by a lot of the stuff that he says about the themes of Star Trek and the optimism and that sort of thing. And, you know, he says that Star Trek has this strong element of a better future, but of course it's also reflective of the world we're living in and the world's in a bit of turmoil right now and that kind of thing. And Star Trek will always kind of reflect stories that deal with that. So keeping it relevant and keeping it uh, current is I think something that Star Trek does usually pretty well. And I hope that they paint the future of the Federation in a more positive manner than maybe they did last season. Because, you know, when you want to reflect your world in sci-fi, a lot of times in Star Trek, it's usually reflected using another world or another species or some other entity out there that we learn from about ourselves in the current day. I don't necessarily want the Federation to always reflect how things are in our world today. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I get that for sure. Absolutely. I think the key is to uh, is finding that balance between the two. And, you know, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful for the ideas of the writers and stuff going forward. So I'm, I'm a bit sad that Michael Chabon is no longer the showrunner for season two, because I think that was a huge asset for season one. And I'm curious to see what the, the new head writer has in mind for the, the show. So uh, the last thing he mentions in this interview, of course, is the scene that he shared with Brent Spiner at the end of the uh, season finale for season one of Picard, which we'll actually talk a little bit about in our discussion, of course, about season finales. But it's really touching. He talks about the high emotions and how hard it was to film that scene. And uh, yeah, I, I urge everyone to go check out this uh, snippets of this interview because it's definitely interesting to get that insight into how that all went down. It says that it comes from goldderby.com. I have never heard of this site. Gold mm -hmm, Derby have I. Predict Hollywood Races? I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is that? Predicting Hollywood Races. What, celebrities running down the road and like, foot races and they're predicting who's going <laughs> to win 
that that must be it. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but at the same time, we're going to do a little snippet about Picard <laughs> while the race is going on. Now, I don't know. I've never heard of Gold Derby, but that's interesting. I'm going to check out this site later. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I'll have a link to the Trek movie article that I think does a pretty good job of summarizing the important bits. They're kind of like the the Coles notes or what are the, what's the American version? Coles notes of books, cliff notes. That's it. They're kind of the cliff notes version of, of uh, the interview. So that's pretty cool. Well, the second piece of news I wanted to share uh, is an interesting bit of Star Trek merchandise news. I love action figures. I haven't really collected them since I was a kid, but I had a huge collection and there's a new company XO six and they've gotten the license to do highly detailed action figures in one sixth scale uh, of Star Trek people. So they're, they're coming out with a first contact data at some point here. So this is interesting. And again, I'll have a link to the Trek core article in this case, uh, in the show notes, just so you can check out the incredible detail on this uh, prototype they have imaged here and with interchangeable heads. So you can have, you know, data just as he normally looks and you can have the like half skinned data. <laughs> When you, when he has the human skin on him from first contact and incredible, incredible detail. So he, so we have the regular head, which you said you can take off. So what I can like put that like in a desert environment or in a cave and just have it yeah. laying there. Yeah. And just have it there for a few centuries and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> recreate scenes from Star Trek series and movies with the head. But yeah, yeah. This, this looks good. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's, it's 12 inches. And so it's, you know, decent size and it looks the detail. At one point, one of the photos I looked at, I thought it was Brent Spiner's data. Like it was a photo. I'm like, oh, no, that's the actual action figure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm friends with the, the designer of these, the sculptor of these on Facebook. And that's where I first heard about this and then saw the Trek Core article. And uh, he's really excited about this stuff. He did the the sculpting for the QMX uh, larger scale action figures that came out. There's been a few of those, Picard, Kirk, and Spock and McCoy, I think, and probably a few others. But it looks like they're no longer doing those. And he's started this new company and, and is making them himself through that. So uh, very cool. And even the accessories it comes with, like I, I would even just want that phaser rifle replica that looks cool in and of itself i was curious to know how much this would cost and i i just found it so they're they're looking to maybe release at about 189.95 yeah that sounds about right for <laughs> yeah th these are really pricey really high-end collectibles definitely not something that i think i'm going to be able to pick up myself but they are gorgeous i did consider buying one of the ones from qmx back in the day i think i was really looking hard at the getting the dr mccoy one but i never did and uh, they were they sold out really fast and were really hard to get your hands on as well yeah these aren't things you hand to your kids and say go have fun go play with them no definitely <laughs> this not is, this is art <laughs> this is something you display you know and yeah. like you said, you can change out the hands, the guns, the tricor, whatever you want, change out his head. There's a lot of cool things about this. I'd like to see more. Uh, this is very great detail. Yeah, I'd love to see one of these in person. I remember in the 2018 Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, I went to his panel and he kind of showed off some of the uh, ones that he had done with QMX and just incredible work. So 
glad to see that's continuing with this for sure. Yeah, I do. I would love to see more. I hope this works well for him so he can do more and release those. Well, what do you say we uh, jump into the the feature topic? I'm kind of eager to talk about this, the season finales. And again, as we mentioned, this isn't the season finale of Positively Trek. We just keep going and keep making new episodes. But yeah, we're going to talk about all of the season finale episodes from all of Star Trek. There are a few criteria for this list that I've compiled here. First of all, we're not talking about series finales, just season finales. So the final episodes of the respective Star Trek series where we're leaving alone. Star Trek Discovery is coming back for season four. So we will discuss the season three finale for everyone out there who believes that Alex Kurtzman's been fired and Discovery is not coming back. That's not true. Is that the cliffhanger for our episode that Alex Kurtzman is fired? Oh, that would be that would be sad. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I've done is I've broken everything into three different categories of season finale because season finales are not all created equal. I think there's there's different categories and different types. Some of these could maybe straddle different categories. Maybe people won't agree with the categories I've put particular episodes in. Bruce and I, you're going we're going to discuss that. So, you know, maybe, maybe some of these you'll have some disagreement with, but the three categories I have are regular episodes. So this is a season finale. That's just a regular everyday old episode, just like any other episode in the season. And it doesn't, you know, link to the next season or have a cliffhanger or anything like that. It's just a standalone episode. Uh, the second category I have is a changed circumstances slash soft cliffhanger. So this is one where it doesn't necessarily end to be continued, but something has changed and there's a new situation going forward for the next season that we're going to explore. And then the final one, of course, is a straight up cliffhanger. It's to be continued. It's, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I need to wait however many months to find out what's going to happen next. Ah, I can't stand it. Been there, done that. (laughs) And I'm curious about that because... A lot of these I never lived through as a fan and only came to them later when I could just pop in the next DVD (laughs) and find out what happened. Oh, so we have a different experience. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Especially for some of those uh, legacy ones back in the early days of TNG that uh, one in particular that I know everyone out there is is kind of uh, probably on their favorites list anyway. Hmm, I can't imagine. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yes. Well... Okay, so let's jump right into this. So first of all, the first category, regular episodes. And it's probably going to be the shortest part to talk about because they're just another regular episode. So in this category, we have both the season one and season two finales of Star Trek, the original series, because things just weren't really done that way back in the day. You know, there wasn't like a big season finale cliffhanger, nothing like that. It was just a season of episodes and then it ended and the next season started. And of course, also the season one finale of the animated series. So that's Operation Annihilate, Assignment Earth, and the Jihad from the animated series there. So not much to talk about here, especially in the case of the animated series, because of course it was just 22 episodes. Season one is 16 episodes. Season two is, you know, five or six or seven episodes, something like that. So it's kind of a bit arbitrary there. Yeah, I guess of these, what would be your favorite season finale? Oh my gosh, this is going to be, I think I, yeah, I think I have an answer to this. So of these three, just 
to your point that, you know, they didn't necessarily do season finale cliffhangers and things back in the day. And what, and I was too young to watch these when they came out. As a matter of fact, I don't think I was born for the first one, but I was around for the, the next two, but I was fairly young. So when I watched these, I didn't know they were finales to any season. But of these three, the Jihad, I'm not that familiar with. I've only seen it twice, probably in my lifetime. I've seen Operation Annihilate many times, but I would say Assignment Earth is probably my favorite. I like the whole Gary Seven thing, and I know that was kind of a backdoor pilot, you know? So it's it's a season finale, but it was also a pilot. Yeah, it's a fun episode. It's definitely a different one of the original series. So for those who don't know, that's the one where the Enterprise goes back in time to conduct historical research because we know Federation starships do that all the time. And they meet Gary Seven, who's plotting to destroy a nuclear missile. But, you know, the crew doesn't know if his intentions are good or bad. And uh, yeah, I think that's my favorite of the original series ones here that we're talking about as well. I really enjoy that episode. And uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. So as far as the rest of the season finales that are considered regular episodes, just plain old regular episodes, uh, the end of the Next Generation's first season, The Neutral Zone, where we see the Romulans for the first time in 50 years, apparently. And we also get the other story of the cryogenically frozen humans from the 21st century being unthawed. Season two finale, Shades of Grey, the clip show. Yep, that's a season finale. Yeah, we'll move on from that one. Uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine's season one finale, In the Hands of the Prophets, uh, that's the episode where we meet Kai, or sorry, not Kai Win, Vedic Win at the time for the first time. And she comes aboard the station to protest Keiko O'Brien's school. And the school is bombed, and we have that whole plot of Vedic Baril, the plot to assassinate him. Voyager's first season finale, Learning Curve, that's with the recalcitrant Maquis that Tuvok has to train to kind of bring them up to Starfleet standards. There's an interesting story behind that one. That one was not actually meant to be a season finale. They ended up saving a few episodes from season one to carry over into season two which made that kind of just an arbitrary stopping point for the season. And then randomly, Voyager's fourth season finale, right in the middle of a string of cliffhanger endings, we get Hope and Fear, which is where we meet Arturus and the USS Dauntless, the fake Federation starship that has quantum slips, slipstream drive. And yeah, kind of randomly there in the middle of the series, another non-cliffhanger finale that's just another episode. So an interesting collection here. So should I pick my favorite of these five? I think, yeah, if we want to take all uh, all eight of these, if you want to pick your favorite of those, Ooh. I think. So from the category of regular everyday old episodes, which is your favorite of this these season finales? So just that you know that there's, I, I've never really done a full like rewatch of like from season one through whatever of any of these series. I kind of jump around and some of these things I probably haven't seen since they originally aired. <laughs> and maybe I've seen them once since, but there's some I've, what I'm getting at is this, there's some I've seen more often than others. But I do remember all of these. Hope and Fear from Voyager is the one I probably least have seen or haven't seen as much. That and the Jihad from the animated series. I don't remember that much about Hope and Fear that I really liked. I would say that my favorite is In the Hand of the Prophets uh, mm, from Deep Space Nine. Because of Kai Wen, she's such an interesting character. She just Every time she's in an episode, I love to hate her. 
I mean, that's the perfect way for me to say that. I would say my second favorite would be Learning Curve from Voyager. I like oh, that episode of Tuvok training Maki members and trying to form them into the Starfleet ways. I wanted to see more of that in the series. So that's mm-hmm. one reason I like it. So those are like my top two. That's interesting. Yeah. Of these episodes, I I actually really like Hope and Fear. I think it's a great season finale. We get the Dauntless and, and Seven of Nine and Janeway kind of making some character development there. Uh, But yeah, I kind of agree with you. In the Hands of the Prophets is my favorite of these episodes. I remember back in the day, I was was a kid still going to school. I think I was in junior high at the time, maybe. And I remember the bus that we took to school. The, The bus driver always played local radio on the bus as, as we were going and the entertainment section of the morning news show was like, Oh, and tonight there's uh, two season finales for the star Trek series over on deep space nine. There's a protest about the teachings at the school and on the next generation, the Borg return and data kills and feels emotion. Boy, I bet we know which one of those two is better, don't we? (laughs) And at the time I was like, yeah, right. And then years later, I'm like, well, it was the Deep Space Nine one. The Deep Space Nine was the better of those two. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I always love it how people on the radio or whatever feel like they, oh, well, we all know my opinion. Everybody thinks the way I do before you even (laughs) seen the episodes. But yeah, I can see that because the one episode has the Borg and Deep Space Nine was was a new thing but the thing to remember though and we talked about this with the original series and the animated series even those first two seasons of tng we were never set up to expect cliffhangers or any kind of big revelation at the end of a season because the original series didn't do that so i remember watching tng and the neutral zone and shades of gray were just another episode because Mm -hmm. i also remember back then we also didn't have the internet sometimes you just didn't even know it was the last episode of the season you know until you watch the end of the episode and then they tell you what's coming on next week and you're like oh next week's a repeat that's probably the end of the season so you weren't really expecting anything big to come out of that finale at least i wasn't at that time yeah for sure I, i do have to say i like the neutral zone as an episode as well though you know there's some things in it that they kind of upped the stakes a little bit with the return of the romulans and you get that wonderful romulan commander played by mark alimo who would later play gul dukat who says you know we are back I think our lives just became a lot more complicated. That's a good delivery there. I, I really like that. So it, it's not a bad episode. It's just, yeah, it's not, doesn't have the gravitas of, of some of the other season finales. But uh, yeah, but yeah. W- when I was looking at this list and I saw that, I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't even remember that was a season finale. I knew that, mm. I know the episode, but. I was kind of surprised it was a season finale because I don't like the Romulan thing was pretty cool. But the guys from the 20th century thing was I didn't really care for that. (laughs) Yeah, no, fair enough. It's funny. The episode right before it, Conspiracy, feels a bit like a season finale if you watch that. And, you know, at the end, it's like the, the homing beacon calling the 
the bug aliens that took over people in Starfleet Command. The Enterprise recedes in the distance and you hear it beeping yes. into deep space. That kind of feels like a season finale, interestingly enough. It does. It makes me wonder if the production order flip-flopped the episodes. Like in production, maybe that was the last one. I, I mean, I don't hmm. know. It may not have been. But sometimes when we get these episodes back then... They air not in the order that they were produced in. Yeah. I will say also this episode introduces one of my favorite Star Trek ships of all time, the Dideradex class Romulan Warbird. That's just gorgeous, gorgeous model. So yeah, I it's it's got a special place in my heart for sure. It's got a lot of firsts in it is what I'm gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, one episode that doesn't have firsts in it and is maybe the opposite of having firsts in it, of course, is the season two finale of TNG, Shades of Grey. <laughs> it's, you know, the unfortunate circumstances of the writer's strike in season two of TNG meant that they had to do this clip show. It's kind of unfortunate that it's here on this list of season finales because I feel like it doesn't even belong in this category of regular episodes because it's not a regular episode. It needs its own category way off over there where we don't really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen this in years just because... Why do I want to watch clips of episodes I've already seen? Although I'm curious to watch it again because it's been for a, it's been a long, long time since I've watched it. I might watch it later today just for fun, but it's sad yeah. because it like really takes up room on the shelf. You know, it's such a nothing thing because it's just replaying stuff you've already seen before. If it's a clip show, it doesn't really feel like an episode. You know, yeah, it just feels like some little bonus thing that if you want to look back at some clips. We'll put something around it, a little tiny story and, and just watch it. But it's not really an episode. Yeah. I, I will say there's some good stuff in the framing story. There's some good lines and interesting stuff, but it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to take seriously as an episode of, of Star Trek The Next Generation, unfortunately. I mean, can you imagine if they did that today? I mean, the hate online would go nuts. Like, let's say you watch an episode Discovery and Tilly's like, oh, yeah, you know, remember the time we went to the Mirror Universe? And then they show a clip from the Mirror Universe. Then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, remember the time? And this. It reminds me of that Chris Farley character on Saturday Night Live years ago. He'd play a talk show host interviewing somebody. He'd be like, R -r -r remember the time when, when you said blah, 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 you know? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> like, I don't want to see that in an episode. You know what's funny is my wife and I are currently re-watching The Golden Girls, which is a show that I remember from when I was really small. And it's really good. Like, there's some really great stuff in it. There's some stuff that hasn't aged well, but it's generally a really good sitcom. There are so many clip shows. Like, usually the season finale or at least a couple of the season finales are like a two-parter clip show, an hour-long clip show where they, you know, just all this stuff that, of course, we're binging it on Prime, so we've just watched all of this. Like, it's not like these are years apart or we're watching an episode a week for a few months with a few months off. We're, we're binging the whole show and, ah. Uh, all these clip shows, <laughs> but we don't want to skip them because, you you know, you don't want to skip an episode. But then again, that's a good point, because at the time it was different. I mean, I'm saying like, oh, imagine if they did a clip show like this in an episode of Discovery. Well, it's like to your point, if people are binge watching, you just saw that episode that from that clip came from or something recently. But back then you're watching the Golden Girls 
And a lot of those clips, you haven't seen that episode since it aired two years ago or three years ago or something. like. So clip shows may have been a little more fun at that time because you're reminiscing on some special scenes that you haven't seen in such a long time. But in today's age where things are playing every day on TV throughout the week and multiple episodes in a day, or if you're binge watching online, it doesn't hold up. You don't need it. That's a really good point. Yeah, especially in today's television environment. It just would not work at all. There's no way. Yeah. So we're not going to do a clip show, a positively track, unless it's a big anniversary (laughs) episode or something. Maybe, maybe we would, but that takes too much time. (laughs) Yeah. Our our actual season finale will be like shades of of purple. I don't know. (laughs) Shades of positive. Uh, something like that <laughs> yes and we'll have jonathan frakes on for that one yeah sure <laughs> well the next category we'll leave that behind net for now the regular episodes category and move on to the changed circumstances or soft cliffhanger and there's some you know there's there's some room to argue of episodes that belong on this list or on the cliffhanger list or even maybe back on the regular episodes list But in this category, I feel Deep Space Nine really has its presence known for the remainder of the series, basically. So Deep Space Nine season two finale, the Jem Hadar introducing the threat from the Dominion. The season three finale, the adversary, that's there's a changeling aboard the Defiant. And we basically all of these episodes have like a little hook at the end that reveal something for the series going forward. And we'll get into what that is. The season four finale of Deep Space Nine, Broken Link, that's the episode where Odo comes down with a sickness and he finds out he's being judged by the founders and they have to take him to the founders' homeworld to cure him. Uh, Deep Space Nine season five finale, Call to Arms, that's the beginning of the Dominion War where they mine the entrance to the wormhole. The season six finale, Tears of the Prophets, this is... uh, uh, the one where Ducat attacks the the orb and causes the wormhole to close and attacks and kills one of the main characters of the series. It's been many, many years. I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but we'll talk about that. So be warned if you haven't watched that. The Enterprise Season 2 finale I put on this list as well, The Expanse where the Earth is attacked by the Zindi and the Enterprise goes into the Delphic Expanse to hunt them down. And then also in this category, I have basically all of Discovery's season finales. And again, arguments can be made whether they belong here or somewhere else, but season one finale, Will You Take My Hand?, which is the end of the Klingon War. And then we get the last little bit where the Enterprise shows up. The Discovery Season 2 finale, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. The Discovery goes through the wormhole to the future. And just recently, the Discovery Season 3 finale, That Hope Is You Part 2, where uh, we get the end of the Emerald Chain storyline and Burnham takes command of the Discovery. That one, you could argue, maybe is just a regular episode, but we'll talk about that. And then finally, also the Picard Season 1 finale wrapping up that storyline and the changed circumstances for Picard. And in this category, I also put the Lower deck season finale, which we'll talk about. But for those of you, again, internationally, who maybe haven't watched it, we'll give a little warning before we talk about that. You can kind of jump over that. So a lot of episodes in this category. Yeah. (laughs) What are your initial thoughts? You know, my first thought 
at looking at this list is Deep Space Nine because there are so many of them in, the, in there and they're so good. I mean, all these are good. Don't get me wrong. Of all the different series. And maybe because I watched them. Well, I watched all these as they came out. Oh, man. But I think Broken Link and Tears of the Prophets would be my top of, Ooh, of this whole list. Interesting. Just because of what happens to Odo in Broken Link, that was a very emotional, deep episode for me when I watched it. Mm -hmm. And Tears of the Prophets, to me, that was really gearing up for season seven. Like, I remember watching that episode and thinking, oh my gosh, we're getting near the end of Deep Space Nine, and I really feel like they're ratcheting things up. I remember thinking that at the time. The Expanse, I remember liking that on Enterprise. It wasn't like a big thing I walked away from really loving. The Discovery season finales, I've liked all of those. I'm trying to think, though, which one I like the best. I mean, I like seeing the Enterprise at the end of season one, so that was kind of cool, but that's not the whole episode. Maybe mm, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Maybe that one. I'd say I might like that one the best out of Discovery. Picard mm. I liked, and Lower Decks I liked even better. Hmm, yeah. I think I'd agree with a lot of what you said. I like Deep Space Nine's tendency like these episodes feel or at least the first few just feel like a normal episode like it's going to be standalone but then there's always just like a line or something at the end that like oh my gosh i can't believe that's where they're going next so the jemhadar of course introduces the jemhadar and all of that and you get cisco's great line at the end if the dominion comes through the wormhole the first battle would be fought here and i intend to be ready for them. Yes. And then of course the next season you get him show up with the defiant and all this stuff. The funny thing is a lot of these episodes in retrospect is what makes them kind of a soft cliffhanger. Sometimes that's where the discovery Picard lower deck stuff comes in. Like we haven't seen the next chapter yet. So, you know, maybe they'll feel more like a standalone or more like a direct cliffhanger or something like that. But for now, that's kind of where I put, I've put i put them. Uh, the Adversary, Deep Space Nine's third season finale. Again, just that, that line at the end that makes it yes. a soft cliffhanger, right? It's a pretty standalone story. You've got the changeling loose on the Defiant and they eventually find him and Odo ends up fighting him in the warp core and he ends up dying and Odo, be Odo becomes the first changeling to ever harm another, apparently. But the revelation, of course, at the end is just before he died, the changeling whispered in Odo's ear. He said, you're too late. We are everywhere. Right. <laughs> yes. He's so good. Is this also so the episode good. where we find out Cisco becomes captain? Yes. That's the episode he gets promoted to captain as well. Yeah. yeah. See, that's another good one. I mean, all these are good. All these are. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell they're good. Like these lines are just like burned into my brain. So season four finale, the one that meant so much to you, as you were saying, and yeah, incredible episode. Odo gets turned into a human by the, the founders. Also at the end, we see the message from uh, Gowron. He's ramping up his war efforts and Odo's looking at the screen. He said, During the link, I sensed that the other changelings were trying to hide things from me. Faces. Names. One of them was him. What are you saying? I'm saying that he's one of them. Gauron, the head of the Klingon Empire, is a changeling. End of season. <laughs> right. 
Great stuff. Great stuff. I love that. Yeah. Call to Arms is, I think, the one I have to plant my flag on as my favorite in this whole category. That was such an incredible ending to the season. And this one, I would think if I just watched it and not seen anything else from it, I thought it would belong in this straight up cliffhanger category, interestingly enough, because it feels like a total cliffhanger. Like, oh, they've lost Deep Space Nine. They're mo- they're joining up with this fleet. The next episode is going to be like, oh, we're going to retake Deep Space Nine now. That's what this fleet is going off and doing. But it wasn't until season six came back and you realize that wasn't a direct cliffhanger that needs to be resolved right away. This is the new changed circumstances for the series going forward, at least for a little while, which I thought was really clever and incredible and something I'd never seen Star Trek do before. So uh, yeah, I love, love, love that episode. That one's my favorite on this list. And did you see all these as they came out? Were you now, you were now watching these as they premiered at this point? Yeah. Absolutely. So I started watching uh, Star Trek regularly, I'd say about mid-season five of Star Trek The Next Generation. So everything forward from there, I remember being so excited when Deep Space Nine was starting the new series and all this. And yeah, I was there for these finales and those incredibly long summers. (laughs) (laughs) Is the summer over yet? You're like the only kid who can't wait for summer to be over. All the other kids are like, no, I want summer to last forever. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Uh, The Expanse I also remember really enjoying and coming out of season two and the kind of somewhat mediocre episodes I felt that were in season two kind of meandered a little bit. And then towards the end of that season, it started picking up and getting really interesting with some of the Klingon stuff and then this finale where Earth is attacked by the Zindi probe and they have to go into the Expanse. I remember being very excited for season three after watching that episode. I remember being very upset that Earth was attacked, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked the episode, but I was like, oh, crap, I don't like Earth getting attacked. No, it's like, this. it really changed Enterprise at this point. Yeah, Absolutely. And of course, setting up that, that season long arc that had never been done in Star Trek afterwards and the kind of hype they were building for that. I remember that summer, of course, also being fairly long, not as long as the, the height of Deep Space Nine for me, but I was still really excited for the new season. I remember hearing they were going to toughen up Archer, that he wasn't going to be as nice of a guy. He's going to have more of an attitude, (laughs) be more of a badass. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. See, yeah, and the internet was fairly ubiquitous at this time, too. So, you know, the, the message boards and the news releases and stuff, I remember following really closely, trying to get every little tidbit I could about what was going to happen in the next season and stuff. I remember seeing the message boards. I almost felt like I was one of the few Star Trek fans watching this series at the time. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of people are like, I'm not going to watch it. It's a prequel. We got to go forward. I'm not going backwards. I won't watch it. I won't watch it. I'm like, watch it. Come on. It's Star Trek. <laughs> it's still in the future. <laughs> it's not true Star Trek, though, because whatever reason. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, some things never change right some things never change anytime i hear stuff like that now about new series i go oh yeah i remember hearing this about enterprise and now i hear everybody saying they're watching enterprise and loving it the more things change the more they stay the same 
Yeah. Yep. You're going to hear somebody in year, years from now say, I did not give Discovery a try. I was not interested. I didn't want to see it. And now here it is 10 years later. I, and I actually love it. I've been watching. It's really good. I'm like, yeah, duh. Well, speaking of Discovery, we, of course, have all three Discovery season finales on this list. And yeah, will you take my hand seeing the Enterprise? Of course, that was fun. But again, that was, it just kind of felt a little bit stuck onto the end of the episode. Like we've wrapped up the main thing. There's no cliffhanger story-wise really, except why is the Enterprise here? What's going on? Fun to see the Enterprise. Not my favorite. Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. I think I agree with you from Discovery. This might be my favorite. Just that that whole opening up of the series going into season three and what the future would look like. I liked that idea of we're taking Discovery completely out of the 23rd century and going to see what is going to be completely different about the show next season. Yeah. And just them, you know, combating with control and trying to get back to the Discovery and you have the Enterprise involved and Pike and their crew it's like you have two crews going on i yeah i really like that one kind of remains to be seen about this most recent season finale from season three and and this was a tough one to put on this list i almost put it in just the regular episode list but i kind of moved it to this one just because you know there are changed circumstances burnham is now captain of discovery and they're starting out on this new mission i don't know do you think it was a good one to put on this list or should it have gone in just the regular episode list? Maybe? It doesn't feel like a regular episode to me. It feels like a season finale that's setting things up for the next season because Burnham gets promoted. Saru is on Kaminar. So yeah, there's a lot of things that you come out of the episode thinking, well, what's going to happen next? Because Discovery is going to go and help the Federation and, and bring planets back into the fold and... I feel like it's a, it's really kind of planting the flag of where we're going in next season. It doesn't feel like a regular episode to me. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. And then, of course, the other two that we don't know what the other the next season's going to look like. So it's a little bit in flux. The Picard finale, Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2, and Lower Decks, No Small Parts. So, yeah, both of these, I think we have big things happen in them that change things fundamentally about the series for next season. So that's why I put them in this category. I enjoyed them both. I think they're both really good episodes, but like you, I think lower decks edges it out for me. I, I really enjoyed how that season wrapped up. Yeah. The season finale Picard wasn't my favorite in Picard. I, I love the scene with data. Mm -hmm. I guess, I don't know. I mean, there's just some things about it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I just remember feeling that it maybe is like a little rushed or a little clunky at times for me. I, I don't know. I just, it wasn't as good as some of the other episodes, I thought. Yeah, I really enjoyed a lot about Picard. And uh, the finale was good, like I enjoyed it, but it did feel like a lot of stuff got wrapped up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm kind of glad they did that, though, because now we're going into season two with something a little more fresh, starting something new up, and I'm curious to see where that goes. So I, I like that we're, let's wrap up the season's, and move on to the next season. I think that's why this is probably my favorite category, what you call change circumstances, soft cliffhanger. This is what I would prefer at the end of a season, not just a regular episode 
and not really a cliffhanger. I like the mm-hmm. the more soft like cliffhanger thing. Like you're saying, it's like it wraps up the story for the season, but there's enough little Easter eggs, nice little hints and things there of where the next season's going to go. Where you're like, hmm, I'm curious what's going to happen next. But as we get into this next section about cliffhangers, that's where it's torture because when you have a cliffhanger <laughs> to your point, you're like, oh, now I got to get through the whole summer. I mean, still even with the soft cliffhangers, you're like, oh, I want to see what happens next. But you're not walking around going like, what happened? What happened? Do I have to wait three months, five months, whatever to find out? No. Absolutely. Well, I feel like you're uh, you're going to enjoy Star Trek going forward then, given that the last five season finales that we've experienced from these new series are all in that category. So that's kind of cool. I'm glad they're going that direction. Yes, I prefer that. Now, if they did a cliffhanger, okay, they do a cliffhanger. I can live with it. I'm just saying (laughs) I prefer it being a little softer. Absolutely. Well, these cliffhangers that we're going to talk about now are anything but soft. So... Yeah, this is the this is the ultimate to be continued. We're right in the middle of a story. It's a part one, part two, usually. So Star Trek The Next Generation kicks us off at the end of season three, of course, with the first cliffhanger in all of Star Trek as far as a season finale goes. And that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, so we'll talk about that because I think there's a lot to be said about that. The remainder of TNG does cliffhangers from that point out. So season four finale, Redemption. Season five finale, Time's Arrow. Season six finale, Descent. Uh, And then most of Voyager, with a couple exceptions. So Voyager season two, we get Basics. That's when they lose the Voyager to the Kazon. The season three finale, Scorpion. I feel like this one's going to be pretty high on a lot of people's lists as well as a really great season finale in a really long summer. Season five finale. So we skip season four. That one didn't have a cliffhanger. Season five, Equinox. Another really great, strong season finale, I think, that a lot of people might enjoy. And the season six finale, Unimatrix Zero. And then we have two from Enterprise. So the end of season one, shockwave part one was the cliffhanger that season and then this one might be a little controversial i kind of put it here i think there is definitely a direct cliffhanger in this one even though it was wrapping up the previous season stuff and the cliffhanger is kind of disconnected from the rest of the episode the season three finale zero hour i i put in this category as well but maybe up for debate so let's start uh, let's start with the tng cliffhangers what are some of your thoughts on these? Uh, the best of both worlds. I would say, this kind of contradicts what I said earlier, but I would say out of all the cliffhangers, this is my favorite. But it's probably my favorite out of all the season finales. I think, again, because of the time. Because I do remember watching this, and yes, it was driving me crazy to how it ended. It was like, okay, what's going on? I want to see what happens next. Now i got to wait through the summer. Also, at that time, this is when I was really getting into Star Trek. It was that summer when I started reading the novels. I started filling my summer with Star Trek. And so when the next season premiered, I was ready. I was more educated about Star Trek. I've been watching a lot of TOS over the summer. There was a lot going on for me. But the best of both worlds really just solidified what TNG could be. You know, like Mm -hmm. there was so much writing in this. And not just what TNG could be, what Star Trek on TV could be. It could be more cinematic. There could be more intensity in it. There was just so much there. And just that ending 
with Riker and the unknown of what's going to happen with Picard and the Borg and the Borg are some of the biggest baddies now that we have. It's such a big episode. And I think a lot of people focus on it. Yeah, it was painful to have to wait all summer to find out what happens. And like I said, I don't really want to go through that again. <laughs> but really, out of all these, that was the one that made the biggest impression out of all the season finales for me is this episode. It's an incredible episode and not just the cliffhanger and the story of the Borg and all of that stuff. So many elements in this episode come together to make it incredible. I think the soundtrack is one thing that just yes. really solidifies this as a terrific episode. Uh, the acting, the guest stars, there's so much in this episode. Again, I didn't watch it as a cliffhanger. I was, I had the benefit of just seeing the next episode right away. I think the first time I saw this was actually towards the end of Star Trek, the next generation, the channel I watched the next generation on was doing like a, a Trekathon, like top episodes of Star Trek, the next generation. And of course this one and part two were aired together as like the best, like the number one after the previous, however many episodes they played. And, uh, that was the first time I'd seen it and I thought it was incredible. So, you know, I never experienced that summer of hell <laughs> waiting to see how it resolved. So I did miss out on that, but it's an incredible episode. I remember worrying that Patrick Stewart wasn't coming back because again, this is before the internet. I remember going to conventions, local conventions, and that was the, my real exposure to fans. And it wasn't that I knew anybody there, but just hearing how people were reacting at panels and what I was overhearing people talk about, I just remember having the impression that a lot of people still weren't really warmed up to Picard that much. I mean, not I'm not mm. saying right at this time of this episode, but prior to it, like when we're in Earlier in season three is probably when I started to go to some conventions because there was still this Kirk versus Picard stuff going on. And, you know, it was TNG as good as the original series. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, they could kill off Picard. And I'm really liking this character. I like Captain Picard. I don't want it to be Captain Riker because he's too much like Kirk. Like, I felt like it was going to try to be too much like the original series. And we had Pulaski on, who was kind of like Bones earlier in season two. And it's like, are we going to try to make it to TOS? And I just remember being concerned about not having Patrick Stewart back. Yeah. And, and I, you know, reading about that situation years later, there was some thought given to not bringing him back and having Riker lead the series and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a possibility, I think. Yeah. And you know, when I went to these conventions, I found out years later that some of the things I would hear weren't what the consensus was among fans anyway. I mean, I would go to these conventions and leave going, wow, people think this. And then years later I found out, oh, most people didn't think that way. It was just the people I heard. <laughs> it's kind of like if you stick to certain groups on Facebook and certain, you know, message boards and stuff and don't read other stuff you'd think like everybody feels this way about picard or discovery or whatever else you know so yeah I, I think there's certain areas of fandom that kind of get a little insular and assume everyone feels the same way they do so i i think we still see that today absolutely yeah i remember there's one panel and i don't know why it was called out but they called out the star wars novels that had just come out by timothy zahn the thrawn trilogy 
And I remember someone shouting from the back of the room, yeah, and they suck. And the whole audience applauded. And I was like, oh my gosh, people really hate these books. And for years, I believed that people hated that Thrawn trilogy. And now I know it's one of the most beloved of Star Wars books. So you just never know, you know? That's crazy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving further down this list, so Redemption... Obviously, they had so much success, I think, with the best of both worlds. They decided, let's do another cliffhanger ending for season four. This one a little less successful, (laughs) quite a bit less successful, I think, than the best of both worlds. That's a high bar, uh, in my opinion. I remember, and again, I didn't experience the summer, but I do remember kind of rolling my eyes at the reveal of Sela because also I had seen Sela in other episodes. I watched this completely out of order, but her line at the end of season four. We should not discount Jean-Luc Picard yet. He is human. And humans have a way of showing up when you least expect them. And I was just like, oh, that's a corny line. (laughs) (laughs) I remember kind of thinking that same thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was not dying all summer going, what's going to happen next? I was just like, okay, I guess we're going to go this direction. Well, we'll see what happens. (laughs) So not my favorite. I I think a very good pair of episodes, though. I do like Redemption Part 1 and 2. Some very strong stuff in both of those episodes. But uh yeah, the, the cliffhanger definitely wasn't one that just grabbed me. And if I'd watched that over the summer, I'd be fine waiting. Yeah, and it was just a little off-putting to see Denise Crosby as a Romulan. I, I, yeah, I just remember thinking, oh, so we have to work her back in because she left and now she wants to come back? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was okay. Well, the next one, the TNG Season 5 cliffhanger, and this has the distinction of being the first cliffhanger in Star Trek that I lived through. Like, I remember watching this and wondering what the heck was going to happen next season. I've heard apparently there's some areas of fandom that don't like these episodes. I love them. And I don't know if it's because of the age I was when I watched them and I just like absolutely loved them. But I watched these episodes. This is where they find Data's head in a cavern underneath San Francisco and they go back in time or Data ends up going back in time and meeting with Sam Clemens, Mark Twain and Guinan is there. I remember that summer, like looking up Mark Twain in libraries and finding out more about him and learning all about him and his writing. I hadn't really been exposed to it before that. And that's what I remember about this is really fueling my love of literature and, and that sort of thing. And it's, and Sam Clemens, Mark Twain, especially. So this has a special place in my heart. I really enjoy these episodes. And I think Jerry Harden does an excellent job playing Sam Clemens. So I I don't know. I know there's differing opinions on that, though. (laughs) Well, Mr. Dana, I have a different opinion about this episode than you do. (laughs) Um, No, this episode was fine to me. But to your point, uh, you know... At the time when I lived through it, of course, living through the best of both worlds when it aired was a totally different experience. So everything after this and TNG and season finales just failed to compare to that, you know? I mean, I liked it, but it's not up there on my list as a favorite of mine, you know? Again, I was wondering through the summer what's going to happen, but I wasn't dying to know. Yeah, I I wouldn't say I was dying to know either. It was just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun episode. And so the season six finale was another one, of course, that I lived through. And I remember that summer. This was one where 
I felt a bit of that, like more of that. Oh, I really wonder what's going to happen. And it, it ended on that line with, it was the Borg and lore and data. And they show up at the end and data comes out and he says, the sons of Sung have joined together and together we will destroy the Federation. And I'm going, oh, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? This one, I feel, is tainted a bit by a letdown of part two. I really did not enjoy part two. It was still, it captured my attention at the time. And I think it did what a good season finale needed to do. I didn't care for this one as much then again. I think it's because I don't like lore. I'm not a big fan of the character of lore. It has nothing to do with Brent Spiner's portrayal of the character. It's just, he just annoys the crap out of me. It pisses me <laughs> off. And it was just like, oh, great. And now we have Data joining him. I mean, again, I was interested and I wanted to see, oh, what happens? I got to wait through the summer to find out. But because it was lore, that's why this is not one of my favorites. Just because, yeah, he really irks me. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So I think it's pretty safe to say that our favorite TNG finale is the best of both worlds. I think I think we both agree on that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, now we've got the Voyager cliffhangers. So basics, the end of season two, this was the one where the Kazon captured the Voyager, landed on that planet, kicked everyone off and took off. And uh, we don't know what happened to Tom Paris. It looks like his shuttle blew up and we know the doctor's still on Voyager and so is Suter, the the serial killer Maquis guy. I really enjoyed this one when it first aired. And this was one summer where I was wondering what the heck was going to happen. I remember this cliffhanger being substantial for me. Really? Wow. Yeah. So did I. I actually liked oh, this cool. one. Okay. I was too. I was like, what is going to happen now? You know, I don't really care for the Kazon, but there's so much going on in this one and the and the crew is stranded. And yeah, what's what's going on with Paris? I think because there's so many what ifs, like what's going on here and what if this happens and what if that happens? Yeah, I really remember really liking this one. This this was one cliffhanger that I was aching to know the answers all summer long. Well, the next cliffhanger, of course, at the end of season three, Scorpion. And like I said, I think this one's going to be high on people's lists as well. The Borg, we get the Voyager entering Borg space. We meet species 8472. The end of the episode has the 8472 attack, destroy the planet while the Borg have Voyager in their tractor beam. And Janeway's attempting to negotiate an alliance with the Borg, of all things. I remember this summer being really long as well. Not just because of this episode, this was also the same summer as Call to Arms, with the Cisco and his crew losing the station. So that, that summer was like a double whammy to me. And this episode, like Call to Arms and like The Best of Both Worlds, had a really killer soundtrack as well. Really original music composed for it. And I remember that really being a reason I liked it as well. I used to tape on VHS Star Trek episodes, and I remember watching this one and Call to Arms over and over and over again that summer, waiting for the part two. Yeah, I like this episode too. I'm trying to think. I think, though, I like Basics a little more. And I think because when I saw Scorpion at the time, I thought it was interesting that Janeway's trying to negotiate with the Borg, but at the same time, I didn't like the idea that she can negotiate with the Borg. So that mm. kind of bothered me. I was like, mm, I want the Borg to be really somebody difficult. And this is where I felt like maybe they were trying, we were softening the Borg a little too much. Yeah, 
I do remember feeling that a little bit as well, for sure. Yeah. So that's why I would knock this down a point from basics. On season five finale, Equinox, we have Captain Ransom of the USS Equinox, another Federation ship that was brought to the Delta Quadrant by the Caretaker. Voyager meets up with them. They're under attack by these life forms, and it turns out that they've been using them to power their modified warp core to get home faster. The cliffhanger for this one wasn't one that I was extremely, you know, worried about all summer or anything like that. I do like this for the story. I thought it was an interesting moral dilemma and how Janeway would react confronted with a fellow captain who had broken his oath so severely and what she would do and how far it would push her. I enjoy these episodes, but uh, not my favorite, I would say, but definitely up there. I'm with you on this one. And I watched this recently, like just a few months ago and well, rewatched it, you know, because I saw it when it first came out. But yeah, to your point, I wasn't waiting all summer to find out, oh, what's going to happen. But as the story goes, like you said, I found it interesting because we see Voyager in this situation, the Delta Quadrant, and how this Federation ship handles themselves. But not every Federation ship is the same. Not every crew is the same. And different circumstances play out. And it just kind of shows you how things could be could have gone in a different direction with someone. So, yeah, I enjoyed this episode. This is a good one. I would definitely recommend to watch this part one and then part two. Well, finally, we have the Voyager season six finale, Unimatrix Zero. And this is the episode where Seven of Nine discovers there's this hidden virtual reality called Unimatrix Zero, where some Borg drones go mentally when they regenerate. And they're kind of organizing a resistance and an uprising against the Borg Collective. Not a bad pair of episodes, but definitely not my favorite. Not my most memorable when it comes to Voyager. I do like what it means for Seven of Nine and her character development. But this was not one that I was really worried about over the summer or anything like that. And not one that I've gone back to revisit very recently other than a total rewatch of Voyager a couple years ago. So yeah, I don't know this one for some reason, like it should be more meaningful. I think like it should stick out in my mind, but for some reason it just doesn't. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Again, it's one of those things when I see this, I'm like, Oh, that was a season finale. I don't know why I don't remember it being that way. So it doesn't really stand out so much as a cliffhanger to me only because I probably haven't watched it that much recently. And also mm-hmm. when did this come out? Okay. So I'm looking at uh, May of 20, 2000. I'm trying to think what was going on in my life because I was newly married. Things were got were playing out a little different by then. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean I like the episode. I think the whole idea getting to know more about the Borg. I mean it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because to me the more we find out about a villain, in some ways they start to become less interesting to me. When you just have little hints about something and then you kind of fill it in your head. I think it builds up more than when you find out more answers to things. And Mm. so this is, again, one of those things where it's like, okay, now we have former Borg that, you know, they have this subconsciousness thing going on and they can communicate with each other. I was just finding out too much about Borg. And it's not that I don't like it, but that's why I wouldn't put this again high up on the list. Yeah. And then like the direct season finale, like the actual cliffhanger was Janeway, Torres and Tuvok all being assimilated and the last shot we see of them are as full Borg. And I I remember thinking like, well, they're going to get them out of this somehow. It just felt like cheapening 
them being assimilated, like that would be such a huge momentous thing. Like we saw with Picard in, in the best of both worlds. So it just felt like, Oh, okay. Well, how are they going to get out of this? I was never genuinely worried that Janeway, Tuvok and Torres would all be lost to the Borg. Whereas I was, if I had watched it originally, I would have been genuinely worried that Picard would have been lost to the Borg forever. Yeah, it does feel like they were like, hey, we need a really good cliffhanger. <gasps> Why don't we, you know, get them all assimilated? And, you know, that would be a good cliffhanger. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, and other little things that just get cheapened by what happens later in the series, like the Delta Flyer gets blown up in this episode. And I remember thinking, oh, no, the Delta Flyer, that's crazy. And then like two episodes later in the next season, they've rebuilt a new one and (laughs) off screen as well. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) cool. Yeah, I mean, I do like Voyager, but I I do remember at the time watching the series and I felt like there was always like these hits and misses, you know, Mm. like they were really struggling to be like, well, there's been so much Star Trek now. How do we be original, but then also mine what was done before and keep it fresh and going. And so there was just times where it felt like sometimes they were trying too hard with some things and then they had to correct things. And I also know that the network at the time, which is UPN was getting involved and they're dealing more with suits. So that didn't help the creativity. So there was times that Voyager fell into this hole at times and yeah it's reflected somewhat in this episode well let's uh move from there into the enterprise season finales that i've listed here as cliffhangers so the end of season one we got shockwave part one and this was involving the Sulaban and the temporal cold war and the cliffhanger there was archer was brought forward into the 31st century i think or the 30th century there's this whole destroyed world and daniels is there and how they're going to get out of this and the enterprise back in the 22nd century is surrounded by Sulaban ships and to Paul's in command. I remember at the time enjoying this. I think it, it wasn't top of my list. I wasn't crazy wor- with worry all summer, I guess, but I, I enjoyed this at the time. I think I remember it being a fairly strong episode. I'm with you on this. Again, I feel like Enterprise kind of was falling into that same trap as Voyager. And, and maybe that's not the right thing to say, but I, I, as we're going through this list, I think what it is is again that I don't really care for cliffhangers as much. And it does feel that sometimes the writers feel like, well, we have to write a cliffhanger. And instead, I just want the conclusion to the story. Not all the stories are that strong that warrant a whole three months or so to wait for the next part of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, this is good enough, but I think the, the soft cliffhangers are better format. Well, speaking of writers having to write a cliffhanger and and feeling that they need to do that that brings us to the last one on this list here the season three finale zero hour now this one could go on a different list but i i it's it's a tough one to categorize exactly because the actual episode is the wrap-up of the zindi weapon storyline and archers on the zindi weapon and it explodes but he doesn't make it off in time the enterprise returns to earth They try to hail Starfleet Command. There's no response. So they send down Mayweather and Trip in a shuttle pod and they end up getting shot at by P-51s. It turns out they're in the time frame of World War II and Archer wakes up in a prisoner of war camp surrounded by Nazis and one 
particular alien in a Nazi uniform. And that's the end of the season. I remember, okay. I really enjoyed enterprise season three and I loved enterprise season four, but this connection between the two of them, I remember rolling my eyes hard at this finale and this cliffhanger. It really annoyed me at the time. It felt weird, didn't it? It just felt kind of out of place. Yeah, it was so out of place. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It was like, what? wait, what just happened? I mean, I remember thinking, well, that's kind of cool, but wait, is this like, it's almost like a total reset, you know? It just felt like, okay, we're done with the season, so we're going to throw out something weird and wacky that kind of leaves you waiting to see what's going to happen in season four that doesn't have a lot to do with what we just saw in season three. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? Yeah. And to your point, when we get to season four, we kind of resolve it, but then it's like they kind of settle things out and get back to normal again. And I even remember Trip has a line in that next episode in season four where he's frustrated and he's like, I just thought we were going to head back home and now this all happened. And, and I'm, I'm in the audience going, yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's what the, I, that's what we're getting to here. Because the best of both worlds worked so well, and I think one of the reasons also is because it was something that we'd never seen before in Star Trek. I think they were ramping up their game in TNG. It was coming across as more cinematic that we've ever seen on TV with with Star Trek. We got a nice cliffhanger there. Even though Best of Both Worlds Part 2 probably isn't as strong as Part 1. I think most people I've heard agree with that. But it was such a good cliffhanger that now it seemed like every time somebody wanted to do a cliffhanger, they felt like they had to live up or do something like that or whatever. And it's not always going to be a hit. I'm not saying any of these cliffhangers are bad. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that they're, sometimes they don't work as well as they intend to. So TNG, I think our favorite season finale is the best of both worlds. Deep Space Nine, for me, my favorite is Call to Arms. What would you say is your favorite Deep Space Nine cliffhanger? Or, sorry, not cliffhanger, season finale. I'm going to say either uh, Broken Link in, or In the Hands of the Prophets, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, Excellent. Kai Wen is somebody I love to hate, where Lore is somebody I hate to hate. I, I don't know. I think I just like Odo a lot. I like the character moments with Odo. I Yeah, I got to go with Cold Arms for that one. That just, like, so grabbed me watching that. Voyager. What would you say is your favorite season finale for Voyager? I'm going to say it's with Learning Curve and Basics, which is funny because those are the two earliest seasons. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go with Scorpion for Voyager just for sheer. Like, I mean, I'm usually about, you know, the quiet, contemplative, deeper meaning episodes, but those episodes just kicked butt. Like, (laughs) I really liked Scorpion. I thought that was good. And uh, Enterprise may be a little bit tougher as far as picking a favorite. I would say Zero Hour, because even though what we just talked about with it, it just stood out in my head for the longest time of like, that was weird and crazy, where Shockwave just didn't stick with me as much. Yeah, Shockwave definitely didn't stick with me. I, I think The Expanse is my favorite season finale for Enterprise. Just the Zindi attack and going into the, into the Delphic Expanse. It gave me the same feeling, actually, that Discovery's thir- uh, second season finale gave to me years later, going into the future as well. So I would say that's probably the better episode of the three. And then, yeah, so Discovery, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, I think that 
ending going into the future is my, definitely my favorite there. Yep, same here. And then what would you say is your favorite Picard season? For, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? What about uh, Short Treks? This was another thing I was going to bring up. Now, I haven't included Short Treks here because... There's no real season finales. It's a disjointed series of short episodes. So, yeah, I don't think we could say that The Escape Artist is the season one finale of Short Treks and either Ephraim and Dot or The Girl Who Made the Stars is the season two finale. I can't See, remember I which one. I consider Children of Mars as the season finale. Oh, I guess that would be the last one. Yeah. But again, it's so disjointed from the rest of the, the episodes that I, you know, they're just all so standalone. I don't think they count as a season finale. No, I agree. When you said, what's your favorite season finale, Picard? Children of Mars popped in my head. That's why I was like, oh, wait, what about Short Treks? <laughs> oh, that's a good call. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say this. Season two's finale of Picard was my favorite. Even though it hasn't been done yet, I'm expecting it's going to be even better. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait for season three's uh, finale for Lower Decks. I think that's going to be on my list. There. Oh, then I'm looking forward to that one. Well, before we started recording, I also posted in the positively Trek discussion group, just kind of asking pe for people's thoughts on season finales in star Trek and what's their favorite and why. So I'm just going to pop over there and see if we've had a few people answer yet. You guys are fast. Cause yeah, Dan oh, just wow, posted yeah. this right before we were recorded and we've got what it looks like five comments. Yeah. A bunch of one, two, three, four, five main comments and some like sub comments as well. And it looks like some people commented on some individual photos as well. <laughs> so I also posted just kind of a collage of photos from various finales. So, so Casey Pettit says, uh, if we're talking other than the best of both worlds, part one, which a lot of people seem to agree is kind of in a category all its own then I would say Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. That episode wrapped up Disco Season 2 and left us with quite a cliffhanger. We were between stories, so we weren't waiting on a conclusion. Instead, we were going to a new time almost a thousand years into the future. What will that look like? What kinds of stories can they tell in the distant future? We found that out and more in Season 3, which did not disappoint. As a season finale, that episode could have easily ended the series, but I'm glad it didn't. Most of all, it left us longing for more. That's a really good point. I absolutely agree with everything there for sure. I like the last statement. Left us longing for more. Not left mm -hmm. us wondering what's going to happen next. Just left us longing for more. That's why I like the soft cliffhanger type episodes. Absolutely. Uh, reading through some other comments here. A lot of love for the best of both worlds. So Brian Krosinger says best of both worlds part one really stands out. Eddie Galson says, I think best of both worlds is most people's. For me at the time, I'm in grade school, fourth or fifth grade. TNG was the only genre show on that I can remember. Hercules and Xena were still a couple of years off. So this was my life at this point. After telling Mr. Worf to fire, that was a long summer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. And Karen Haish, sorry if I've mispronounced your last name, uh, says best of both worlds is epic just because of the cliffhanger call to arms is another favorite with a surprising ending that leaves you wanting more, even though I know they'll get DS nine back. Yeah, that one, those two are way up there for me as well. It's been a while sure. since I watched call to arms. I need to go back and watch it again. Yeah, definitely. And Jonathan Hamilton, uh, actually ranked every season finale the other day and has a list of his top 10 here. So I'm not going to read out your entire list, but I would encourage anyone listening to this episode, 
go check out the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Add your thoughts about what your favorite season finale is and why, and check out Jonathan's list here. Uh, I think it's a great list. And yeah, I think he includes uh, series finales as well, which we haven't done, but, but yeah, a great list of 10 excellent episodes. If uh, you're wanting a definitive list of great season finales. So thanks so much for that, Jonathan. Yeah, I agree with your number one. <laughs> Gee, I wonder which that one is. Hmm. Well, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode and anything that we talked about, again, like I said, Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Just answer the questions, agree to the rules, we'll let you in. And check out Positively Trek on Twitter. We're at Positively Trek. And we're also on Instagram at Positively Trek. And email us at PositivelyTrek at gmail.com to share your thoughts with us as well. And Bruce, when you're not spending most of your Saturday morning talking with me about what your favorite season finales of Star Trek are, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me, of course, on Facebook and also in our Facebook group. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report. And I'm on an upcoming episode of the 602 Club talking about the new Star Wars, the High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi. Ooh, that sounds cool. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, and on YouTube.com slash Productions, where I make videos about mostly Star Trek, but also some other stuff as well. And of course, every week bringing you a new episode of Positively Trek. So until our next episode, make sure to stay positive. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.